When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Empire. Welcome to Inside the Cap. I'm your host, Joel Corey. You can find me on Twitter at Corey Joel. That's C-O-R-R-Y-J-O-E-L. And also read my regular CBSSports.com column, Agents Take on NFL Salary Cap and Contract Matters. Uh, This week we're going to take a look at some of the veteran newcomers, good and bad. Um, By that I mean players that were either acquired by trade or in free agency and are on a new team, team they weren't on last year. Um... And we're at um, two-thirds of the way through the season. Twelve of 18 weeks have been completed. So we got a pretty good idea of whether these guys are paying uh, dividends or not. Now, I'd say the best newcomer acquisition is probably Patriots edge rusher uh, Matthew Judon. Um, he was the crown jewel of New England's uh, spending spree and free agency. Pass rushers, some of the pass rushers as a whole have fared uh, well this year, but none of the pass rushers who were on the open market were able to get what Trey Flowers got um, two years ago. Flowers, former Patriot, went to the Lions, $90 million over five years, $56 million guarantees, $40 million fully guaranteed. Nobody got that deal. Um, Judon, um, who was a franchise player last year for the Ravens, signed for $54 million over four years, worth up to $56 million through incentives, $32 million of guarantees. He's got a career-high 11.5 sacks this year. He's the first Patriot to hit double-digit sacks since Chandler Jones had 12.5 in 2015. The 11.5 are third in the NFL. He is also fourth this year in quarterback pressures. That is combined sacks, uh, hits, quarterback hits, and quarterback hurries with 60. He's probably, to me, the best newcomer acquisition um, this year. Another pass rusher that is faring well is Bengals' Trey Hendrickson. Now, Hendrickson came out out of nowhere last year to tie for second in the NFL of 13.5 sacks, same number as the reigning and three-time defensive NFL Defensive Player of the Year, Aaron Donald, has had one three in a row. He just won his third last year. Now, prior to last season, he had six and a half sacks in his first three years, Hendrickson. So he's your he was your classic buyer beware free agent because of the limited track record of production. Nonetheless, the Bengals gave him a three-year, forty-five million dollar contract, which averaging fifteen million per year. Um, Hendrickson is proving that his 2020 season was not a fluke. He is tied for sixth NFL with ten and a half sacks, 
and fifth with 57 quarterback pressures. If you combine the number of sacks you've had since the beginning of the 2020 season, he's third of 24. So another guy that is paying off for his new team. Now, another pass rusher who's a little bit undersized, Son Reddick with the Panthers. Now, he had two and a half sacks last year. Once the Arizona Cardinals figured out he's not an off-ball linebacker and would let him rush the passer, and that kind of um, coincided with Chandler Jones having his uh, injury last year, which uh, knocked him out for uh, most of the season. So, two and a half sacks, tied for fourth. What does that get you? A one-year deal for $6 million worth up to $8 million through incentives, where... He's reuniting for his old college head coach at Temple, Matt Rule. He's the guy who's tied this year with Trey Hendrickson with for six of ten and a half sacks. And he's also fourth in the NFL since the start of the 2020 season with 23 sacks. I don't think he's going to be signing another one-year deal. His size may turn off him to other teams, like 235 pounds, he's a little undersized. But I imagine Carolina's going to make concerted effort to re-sign him. Would not be surprised if that um, Trey Hendrickson deal is an important data point for him. Let's look at um, one off-ball linebacker, Devondre Campbell. Uh, Last year, my understanding is he kind of priced himself out of the market. Played on a one-year deal at Arizona, I believe, for $6 million last year. And because there was an interest in his price, his initial price point, from what I heard, that it was double digits, like $10 million per year was what he's looking for, um, ended up taking a one-year deal in June for $2 million from um, the Packers with another 500000 playtime incentives. He's played great this year. He was named Defense Player of the Month in October. In the five October games, Green Bay played all wins, 45 tackles, one sack, three tackles for loss, an interception, two forced fumbles, and two passes defensed. Cordero, uh, Cordero Patterson is someone that nobody's figured out how to use except the Atlanta Falcons this year. He was originally a wide receiver. He is one of the best kick returners that we've had in quite some time. Made the 2010s All-Decade team as a kick returner. But this year, he's been Atlanta's most consistent offensive weapon, lining up in the backfield and also at wide receiver. Um, According to Pro Football Focus, uh, about 59% of his offensive snaps have been at running back and 41 at wide receiver. Um, It's on a one-year deal for $3 million. And $1.7 million of that was fully guaranteed. That's what he signed in April. He's already set a career high with um, yards for scrimmage. He's got 400. He's first in, receive, in rushing yards uh, for Atlanta, 411. And he is second with um, in receiving yards at 500 and second in receptions at um, 41. So the 911 receiving yards is a new career high. Also, he's fifth in the NFL in all-purpose yards with 1,238. That is combined rushing yards, receiving yards, and return yards, whether they're interception return yards or kick return yards. He's still returning kicks on, on a limited basis for the Falcons, but he's been a true revelation for the Falcons this year. 
we'll look at a couple more offensive players. One uh, skill position guy that has been paying dividends ever since the midseason trade. Zach Ertz with the Arizona Cardinals, longtime Philadelphia Eagle, um, was traded in the middle of week six on the Friday of week six. I mean, going uh, where he'd already played his week six game on a Thursday night against um, the Eagles. And that's because Max Williams had a season-ending injury for the Cardinals, so they had to need a tight end. Um, Kyler Murray's been out um, for an ankle sprain. DeAndre Hopkins has missed the past couple games as well. Hamstring injury. Zach Ertz has had to learn the Cardinals offense on the fly. In the five games, he's played for Arizona 22 receptions, 269 yards, uh, three touchdowns, 146 yards after catch. One of the complaints Philly fans had was Zach Ertz would catch the ball, never break a tackle, and basically would be, as soon as he caught the ball, that was it, he was done. But has shown a little bit more open field running ability than he ever did in Philadelphia. Since week seven, the first week he played, among tight ends, Ertz is um, fifth in receptions, fifth in receiving yards, and third in touchdown receptions. So uh, his demise hasn't quite come about. He had the ankle injury last year, wasn't wasn't his usual Pro Bowl self, um, but he's paid off in the limited time he's been in Arizona learning the offense on the fly. Now, in terms of offensive linemen, I'd have to say that um, the biggest high-value signing paying dividends is Corey Lindsley, the uh, center for the Chargers who came over from the Packers, earned first-team All-Pro honors last year in 2020, and was given a five-year $62.5 million contract. Averaging $12.5 million per year, $26 million guarantees to help stabilize and anchor the Chargers' offensive line. He's having a Pro Bowl caliber season. That deal briefly made him the highest paid center. Frank Ragno of the Lions has since surpassed him. And one we'll also bring up uh, one other defensive player. Corey Hayward was kind of written off after a subpar 2020 season that led to um, the Chargers releasing him. Um, in early May, um, he signed a one-year, $4 million contract with the um, Las Vegas Raiders. This is one where um, he wanted to continue playing for Raiders defensive coordinator Gus Bradley, who had held that same position with the Chargers from 2017-2020. He has, again, a touchdown in coverage this year, and opposing quarterbacks are completing 51.3% of passes against him for a 74.4%. Uh, passer rating. Now, we're going to turn to uh, quarterbacks a little bit. Teddy Bridgewater, I guess you could call him Steady Teddy, except for the one egregious play he had against the Eagles where he made no effort to try to tackle um, Darius Slay on an interception return, made a business decision, which uh, brought him rightfully a lot of criticism. But he's been a huge upgrade over um, Drew Locke, the 2019 second-round pick who was brought in to compete with, and he became expendable when the Panthers um, acquired Sam Darnold before the draft. So he was traded to the Broncos for a 2021 six-round pick, and to facilitate the trade, 
he had to take a pay cut from $18 million to $11.5 million, which approximated his guarantees. Panthers are paying um, a little over $7 million of that salary, $7,062,500 to be exact. So what that means is Denver has found a starting quarterback for dirt cheap. <laughs> so they've got a starting quarterback for under $4.5 million this year. Now, not going to wow you, Teddy Bridgewater, but Denver won five games last year. They're 6-5 and five this year. They already bested last year's win record. He's sixth in the NFL in completion percentage, 68.7%, 11th in passer rating, 98.9%, um, 15 touchdown passes, five interceptions. Even if Denver gets the playoffs, I don't know if he's going to be the long-term answer quarterback at Denver because when the reigning NFL MVP Aaron Rodgers, who very well may repeat his NFL MVP, was um, – having his off-season problems with the uh, Green Bay Packers, Denver was the team that he kind of targeted. And Denver was supposedly also an acceptable trade destination for disgruntled Texans quarterback Deshaun Watson over the off-season. So if Aaron Rodgers still wants out and they're, or they're willing to go on with that succession plan, which I thought they put in place when they drafted Jordan Love in the first round in 2020 and didn't tell Rodgers about it, Denver might be a destination. Watson would have to waive his no-trade clause and have all the sexual assault, misconduct allegations settled, resolved, or have some clarity and waive that no-trade clause, but Bridgewater may be auditioning around the league to be a no pun intended, bridge quarterback, stopgap, short-term answer someplace else um, next year. But definitely an upgrade over Drew uh, Locke, and everyone in the AFC West is above 500. So who knows? Could They couldn't have been with a playoff berth, but Bridgewater not wowing you, not going to win games with your with his arm. Um I put quarterbacks into certain categories. Quarterbacks that you win because of. Quarterbacks you win with. Quarterbacks you win in spite of. (laughs) So, he's not a quarterback that you win because of, Teddy Bridgewater. He's one that you could win with is the category I would put him in. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Okay, sticking with quarterbacks, um... Carson Wentz had a stunning regression in 2020. Didn't really think that he would be traded because there was going to be over $33 million in dead money um, with the trade uh, salary cap charge. That's a salary cap charge for a player no longer on a roster. But he was dealt to the Indianapolis Colts um, for a 2021 third round pick and a conditional second round pick in 2022 
that becomes a first-round pick if he takes at least 75% of the offensive snaps or 70% of the snaps and the Colts make the playoffs um, this season. Now, the Colts uh, bet on him resurrecting his career in his reunion with head coach Frank Wright, who was his offensive coordinator for his first two seasons in the NFL, um, seems to be coming true. He's not having an MVP caliber season like he did in 2017 before tearing up his left knee, but he's playing well enough. He's completing 62.8% of his passes, which is on par of his career. Completion percentage, he's thrown for 2,790 yards in 12 games. He's on track for him to 4,000. Passer rating in 96, 21 touchdown passes to just five interceptions. But when he throws interceptions, they can be some boneheaded mistakes, kind of like he did in a overtime loss to Tennessee, where if he doesn't try to keep a play alive, extend it, and just take a sack, throw a ball out of bounds, Colts are 7-5 and five as opposed to 6-6. Six and six. But nonetheless, Carson Wentz is uh, bouncing back from a dreadful uh, 2020 season. Now, the two quarterbacks I'm going to talk about in tandem, um, Matthew Stafford and Jared Goff. Now, last year, Sean McVay soured on Jared Goff toward the end of the season and wanted an upgraded quarterback. So he set his sights on Matthew Stafford, who had um, requested a trade from the Lions because he was tired of losing. And Rams had the best defense in the NFL last year. They're not quite performing up to that standard. Still a good defense, not a great defense. Stafford was viewed as the missing piece in this trade. Now, for the trade to go through, Goff went to the Lions, and the Lions also got a 22 first-round pick, a 2023 first-round pick, and a 2021 third-round pick. Stafford started the season like game gangbusters for the Rams in the honeymoon phase, looked like he was an MVP candidate. Through the first eight games, he was completing 68.9% of his passes and thrown for 2,477 yards, 22 touchdown passes to four interceptions, 118 passer rating. Rams were 7-1. and one. Wheels have fallen off the last three weeks. Um, Rams are in the middle of a three-game losing streak. He's completing 61.4% of his passes, only throwing for 839 yards, five touchdowns, five interceptions, three straight games with pick sixes, passer rating 77.5. Now, Jared Goff could do that. There are reports last week that Stafford is dealing with chronic back pain, sore ankle, sore throwing elbow. There's been some speculation that there's an injury that the Rams aren't Revealing, which may be responsible for the last three games. If it's not something like that and Stafford is going through a bad stretch, at least he's got a get-right game this week um, going up against the uh, Jaguars. But overall for the season, he's thrown for 3,336 yards. He's third in passing yards per game, 301.5. Completed 66.5% of his passes, 27 touchdowns, 9 interceptions. Second touchdown passes are 20 to 27. 105.2 passer rating is fourth. Now, Jared Goff is not thriving with the Lions. They're 0-8-1 this year. Haven't won a game. 
he looks like one of the worst starting quarterbacks in the league, given he's experienced. Better quarterback play, the Rams might be 4-6. and six. I mean, not the Rams. The Lions might be 4-6. and six. And the reason I say that is they lost the Ravens by two points. They lost the Vikings by two points. They tied the Steelers. And just Thanksgiving Day, lost to the Bears by two points. So that's four. That's a tie and three went three losses by a combined six points. Um, so Lions are probably stuck with Jerry Goff next year, <laughs> even if uh, they don't want him. They're, gonna have the, they're on track to have the first overall pick in the draft. It's not a great quarterback year, but quarterbacks tend to get overdrafted. Now, what the Lions did with the trade was they converted $20 million of his $25.65 million 21 base salary into signing bonus. He's got a $15.5 million third day of the league year 2022 roster bonus, which is already full and guaranteed without an offset. $10 million of his $10.65 million 22 base salary, which is guaranteed for injury, becomes fully guaranteed on that same day, third day of the league year, March 18th, <laughs> with no offset. <laughs> so that means if they were to try to cut him, before his 2022 base salary is completely secure, uh, they're going to have $30.5 million in, in dead money when his cap number is 26.15. So it's going to be probably a two-year experiment for Jared Goff with the Rams. The one thing he can say is, hey, you guys were 7-4 and four with me last year in L.A. At this point in time, we ended up 10-6. and six. Uh, We won a playoff game. And lost in the divisional playoffs to the Packers. Rams, the rate they're going, they could miss the playoffs. They didn't trade for Matthew Stafford to uh, just get to the playoffs. They're, they have Super Bowl aspirations. That's why they traded for Von Miller and signed Odell Beckham Jr. But they don't resemble anything like they did the team which was 7-1. and one. Um, through the first eight games. Now, the quarterback who might be the least valuable acquisition this year is Sam Darnold. It's kind of like, be careful what you ask for, you may get it. Um, Sam Darnold did nothing when he was with the uh, New York Jets as the third overall pick in the 2018 draft to show that he was their long-term answer to quarterback. They had the second overall pick this year. They were going to take Zach Wilson with the pick. So Carolina was frustrated with Teddy Bridgewater last year after they signed him to a $63 million three-year contract with $30 million in guarantees. So they decided we're going to give up a 2021 six-round pick, a 2022 second-round pick, and a 2022 fourth-round pick to get Sam Darnold. Then right after they got him, they had to make a decision on the fifth-year option which by May 2nd. So they picked up the 18.58 uh, $18. million fifth-year option for next year, which was fully guaranteed when you picked it up. You had to pick it up by May 2nd. So they went all in on him. Now, Sam Darnold got off to a 3-0 start, and that's when Chris McCaffrey was healthy. It wasn't sustainable because same issues we had in New York started cropping up, started throwing picks again before he uh, fractured his right scapula in a week nine game, a loss to the Patriots. He's supposedly out four to six weeks. 
four to six weeks, I don't think he gets back under center because they've since signed Cam Newton. We hadn't set the world on fire either. At the time of injury, the 11 interceptions retired for NFL lead. Now, uh, Donald's tied for fourth. He's got a 71.3 passer rating. There are 33 quarterbacks who qualify for passer rating. He's 31st. Completion percentage, 59.5%. He's 29th out of 33 who qualify under attempts for completion percentage. So, the starting quarterback in 2022 for the Carolina Panthers, I don't think is on the current roster. And Darnold is on track to be the most expensive backup in the league next year because that option is fully guaranteed. The only way they're going to be able to give him away is to do what happened with the Texans and Brock Osweiler when... They basically gave Cleveland a second-round pick to take a contract off their hands. So it would probably have to be something like that for Sam Darnold not to be a backup or eat a whole bunch of salary like they did at Bridgewater this year to, to move him someplace. Um, the other end of New England spending spree is Jonu Smith. Patriots signed two tight ends to nearly identical deals. Um, both averaging $12.5 million per year. Uh, Hunter Henry's was a three-year deal. John U. Smith's was a four-year deal. John U. Smith has the most money fully guaranteed for a tight end deal of $31.25 million. whole idea was, I guess, to try to replicate the success early 2010s with Rob Gronkowski and Aaron Hernandez. Well, those two guys were the uh, league's highest paid tight ends. John U. Smith is starting to show some signs of life recently. In 11 games this year, 25 catches, 259 yards, one touchdown. Among tight ends, 25 catches is 25th. Uh, among tight ends, 250 to 259 receiving yards is 26th. Not what you really are expecting out of a guy who is a $12.5 million tight end. And at the time of signing, it's been surpassed by Dallas Goddard and Mark Andrews, by average, Henry and Smith were tied as the third highest paid tight ends. Now, wide receivers who are newcomers haven't been paying dividends either. Now, the Titans acquired Julio Jones for a 2022 second round pick and a 2023 fourth round pick because he was disgruntled, wanted out of town. They needed to find someone in the passing game to create the void, fill to fill the void created by Corey Davis going to the Jets in free agency. Problem is that Julio Jones was coming off one of his worst statistical seasons in 2020 because of lingering hamstring problems. When they made the trade, the Titans assumed the final three years of Jones' contract running through the 2023 season. The three years, the combined money is $38.326 million. It's only $2 million of guarantees next year. It's all left on it. No debt. Well, actually, um, i take that back. They did. I was going to say there wouldn't be any debt money, but they did do a contract restructure to create cap room. But hamstring problems are cropping up again. Jones is only played in six games this year. He's currently on IR. 21 receptions, 336 yards, zero touchdowns. Jones was never going to statistically be what he was in Atlanta because of the way the offense was set up in Tennessee before Derrick Henry's injury was basically run Derrick Henry into the ground, run him to death. A.J. Brown, really the primary target of Ryan Tannehill, 
but they thought they would have Julio Jones to be close to a thousand yard receiver or, or hit a thousand yards like Corey Davis almost did last year, but not panning out. Now, another receiver who isn't um, paying dividends is Kenny Galladay. Um, Galladay played like five games last year because of leg injuries, and there's some people who thought that he shut it down because the lines were terrible uh, to preserve himself for free agency. Uh, slow developing free agent market, but eventually the Giants gave him a four-year, $72 million contract worth up to $76 million of incentives. There were $40 million of guarantees. He missed three games with a hyperextended right knee. Um, but for the season, he's played eight games, 23 catches, 372 yards, no touchdowns in the three games since his return, six catches for 90 yards. Not what you want or expect out of an $18 million receiver. Dolphins brought in Will Smith, not Will Smith, uh, Will Fuller. Uh, yeah, they brought in Will Smith. Yeah, the Fresh Prince. <laughs> they brought in Will Fuller um, on a one-year deal for slightly over $10 million, maxes out to 13 with incentives. They knew he was going to be suspended one game, carryover from a suspension last year for PEDs. Missed another game because of a personal matter. He's only played in two games this season. He was supposed to be a deep threat because that's what he is. Four catches, 26 yards, no touchdowns. He's uh, been out since week five with a broken finger. Still on IR. (laughs) Um, not really what the Dolphins had in mind. Um, now, we're just going to touch on a couple of defensive players. One, um, William Jackson, who has been playing better of late during the Washington football team's three-game winning streak. Um, but he signed a three-year, $40 million contract worth up to $42 million with incentives, $26 million in guarantees. He was supposed to help uh, shore up the secondary for the Washington football team. This is one where scheme fit really matters. <laughs> He's more of a man corner than the type of cup, the type of defense which is really zone. They play a lot of zone in Washington, so almost kind of like fitting a square peg into a round hole. But he has started to pick it up for late, which has coincided with Washington's three-game winning streak. So we'll see if. Um, that continues. Now, one of the more surprising contracts was Bud Dupree's, given the fact that he tore his ACL late in the season last year with the Steelers. The Titans brought him in, five-year contract, averaging eighty-two, averaging $16.5 million per year, $82 million, $82.5 million total, $35 million in guarantees, $33.75 million fully guaranteed, now, he was insistent upon the fact that he was going to be ready for the start of training camp despite, despite tearing his ACL in early December. Ambitious timetable. Bit off a little more than he could chew. They kind of had to slow him down, uh, let him try to uh, rehab a little more after the start of the season. But Titans do have a double-digit sack guy. Harold Landry. Now, they thought for the money they're paying Bud Dupree, you'd be expecting double-digit sacks out of him. But then, once he did get back on the field, he's had an abdominal injury, um, so he's on IR right now. Seven games this year, six tackles, one sack. Um, he at least 
has next year. Their most the first realistic exit point in this deal is 2023. Maybe I'm being a little overly harsh because he is coming off an injury, but he kind of set the expectations in the bar by saying he'd be good to go, even though it was ambitious. Here's where it's going to be. Here's a problem that's coming up with them. If I'm Harold Landry and I'm having a career year in my contract year and I have double-digit sacks and you want to retain me, I'm going, you know what? You're paying this guy to do what I'm doing. I need to be paid at least as much as Bud Dupree if I'm going to stick around. If not, I'll take my chances in free agency. At least that's what I'd be thinking if I'm Harold Landry. Well, that's going to be it for this week. We've taken a look at some of the new veteran acquisitions, newcomers, guys who are are on not on the same teams that were last year, the good and bad. Um, don't forget, you can find me on Twitter at Corey Joel. That's C-O-R-R-Y-J-O-E-L. And also read my CBSSports.com column, Agents Tape. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you back here next week. Goodbye.